The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Conkey Ride Home for Friday, November 5th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Today... How would a universal coronavirus vaccine work, and how close are we to having one? Plus, how cosplaying as a superhero can actually make you a better person, at least temporarily. And one of the most notorious serial killers in horror is getting his own killer breakfast cereal. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Successfully creating multiple effective vaccines against COVID-19 as quickly as we did will forever be a landmark achievement of our world. I mean, when you stop and think about it, it's seriously mind-blowing. But as we all know, the work is not done. And I'm not talking about the work to make sure that everyone on Earth actually gets the vaccine, although scientists in South Africa have taken it upon themselves to reverse engineer a COVID-19 vaccine so that the poorest communities around the world, and especially in Africa, are actually able to get a vaccine since thus far the wealthier nations have not done a good enough job at equitable distribution globally. But no, I am talking about more vaccines for future pandemics, future viruses, or God forbid COVID strains that are resistant enough to our current vaccines to render them completely ineffective. That's why a not-quite-organized group of scientists have published a flurry of papers over the last several months proposing work on a so-called universal coronavirus vaccine. So that would protect against COVID-19, but also any of the nastier variants, and also any type of coronavirus that has not yet emerged. Despite the fact that universal vaccines are something lots of people tout the idea of and no one has really ever achieved, some of those scientists think that for coronaviruses, it might actually be feasible. They have two main reasons for thinking this, laid out by Wired in a recent article. One, coronaviruses are quite a bit less genetically complex than the virus that causes the flu. And two, quote, because the threat of another coronavirus pandemic feels uncomfortably real, end quote. And that really hits the nail on the head for me. You know, I mentioned how mind-blowing it is how fast we were able to create vaccines as effective as we did. But of course we did it, because the entire world put everything they had behind that effort. Methods and technologies that had long been underfunded or ignored suddenly had the backing of billionaires and entire governments. And hey, we had to do it, and it's not like we can always drop everything and devote all we have to every non-urgent thing that comes up, so I get it, we make exceptions when we can, when we have to. But hopefully, we can be a little forward-thinking after all we've just been through and continue to devote a good deal of money to protecting ourselves against future pandemics. And a universal vaccine against coronaviruses in particular seems like a strong place to start. As Wired explains, quote, After all, SARS-CoV-2 is the third coronavirus to become a major cause of human disease within two decades, after SARS in 2003 and MERS in 2012. 
Historic epidemiology suggests there were waves of coronavirus infections in the 20th century, the 19th century, and possibly across millennia. And it's possible that thousands of not-yet-identified coronaviruses lurk in bats, wildlife, and domesticated animals, poised for the opportunity to leap between species and trigger havoc. This isn't the first coronavirus pandemic we've experienced, and it's not going to be the last, since in less than 20 years, we've encountered three coronaviruses that have pandemic potential, says Pablo Penaloza McMaster, a viral immunologist and assistant professor at Northwestern University and senior author on several papers outlining approaches to a universal vaccine. We want to be ready for the next pandemic, and the way to do that is to prepare. End quote. So here's the trick to doing it. To make a universal vaccine, or one that protects against multiple strains, variants, and or types of a virus, you have to find something that all of them have in common. And it has to be something that our immune system reacts to. This is kind of why the flu shot is a little bit different each year. You know, every new strain has tiny changes to one of its proteins that binds to receptors on lung cells. So finding a universal flu vaccine has proved challenging because each strain is so variable. Coronaviruses are more similar to each other, but still different enough to prove quite challenging. Quoting again, the original SARS virus and its COVID-causing cousin, for instance, share about 80% of their genome, but the virus behind COVID and the one that causes MERS, for instance, are only about 50% alike. This is because the coronavirus family is made up of four groups, or genera, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, with subgroups inside those. The alpha and beta flavors attack humans, and the gamma and delta groupings mostly reside in animals. Within the human-affecting groups, the alphas mostly make up what are now common cold viruses, though they have been pandemic viruses at some point in the past. The betas are mostly the cause of severe disease, and within the betas there are all kinds of subsidiary arrangements. The sarbicoviruses, including SARS-1 and SARS-2, the merbicoviruses, chiefly MERS, the embecoviruses, which also cause cold symptoms, and it goes on. You can see the problem. End quote. So David Martinez, a viral immunologist, thinks maybe we start with the one that covers all of the SARS subtypes and then later expand to one that also covers MERS. And he and his colleagues have actually made a strong step towards that effort. In June, they published a paper indicating how they'd created a chimeric mRNA vaccine that protected mice against multiple coronaviruses, including SARS-CoV-2. Another team at Duke also had success studying a nanoparticle with a part of the COVID virus's spike protein and creating cross-protection against SARS-CoV-2, some variants, the original SARS virus, and some bat coronaviruses when they injected the particle into macaques. And according to Wired, another team led by the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research published a similar experiment in macaques and are moving on to a phase one trial soon, one that will likely be the very first human test of a universal coronavirus vaccine. So things really are proceeding along, I mean, way past the thought experiment I initially thought this was, but there is still a very long way to go. You know, it's more than thought experiments, but not much more than proofs of concept. And as Wired concludes, quote, To move closer to a new human vaccine, researchers will need to confront some of the questions now playing out in the debate over boosters for the current COVID vaccines, asking, for instance, whether the goal of vaccination is to prevent all infection and transmission or only severe illness and death. And they'll have to depend on support from policymakers and funders to continue with basic science that might not deliver a product for years to come. 
The question will be whether politicians and a public exhausted by the current pandemic will be willing to take the risk of confronting or even make the effort of imagining the next emergent threat. End quote. Forget the superhero power pose. If you really want to be your best self, you've got to put on the whole suit. Cape optional. A new piece in Inverse by Becca Caddy posits that cosplaying as a superhero can make you a better person. The theory lies in the fact that, as multiple studies have shown over the years, stories about superheroes and even just thinking about superheroes can cause us to act kinder towards others and feel more confident. So if just thinking about superheroes is so influential, certainly dressing up as or play-acting as one has got to be like a radioactively charged version of the same effect. Effect, right? Well, first, let's dive into some of those studies, because while they're not exactly rocket scientists, they are pretty funny in the ways that researchers designed them, mostly by tricking participants after they'd thought the study was done. So one 2018 study put half the participants in a room with a poster of Superman and the other half in a room with a poster of a bicycle. They were then asked to write down a description of the room and answer some written questions. And then when they thought the study was over, the researchers asked if the participants would stay on last minute to help with another study. 91% of the people in the superhero room stayed to help, while only 75% in the bicycle room did. Now, I still think 75% is pretty high myself, but in another experiment as part of that same 2018 study, half of the participants were shown images of rooms that had some objects with the Superman logo on them and asked to label the objects in the images. The other participants were given the same task, but none of the objects in their images had Superman's S on them. And after that, they were given a questionnaire and asked what they would do in different scenarios, like helping someone stranded with a broken-down car or donating money. And despite the self-reporting bias there, the researchers found a strong correlation between abstract superhero images and being more likely to act in a heroic, or at least helpful, way. And back in 2013, there was another study using VR that I find kind of hilarious. Basically, half of the participants were given the power of flight in virtual reality, and the other half went on a VR helicopter flight as passengers. They had some assignments on their virtual adventures that didn't seem to impact the results of the experiment, but then, when the participants took off the VR headset and the researchers started to put all the equipment away, the researcher would accidentally on purpose knock over a cup of pens and then wait five seconds to see if the participant would help pick them up. Six people did not help at all. They were all in the helicopter passenger group. All of the participants given the power of flight in virtual reality helped pick up the pens and tended to jump in to help more quickly and pick up more pens. One of the co-authors of that study, Robin Rosenberg, says the exposure to or feeling associated with superheroes, quote, may shift participants' self-concept or identity in a powerful way, as someone who helps, at least briefly, end quote. And this is at least kind of backed up by cognitive mechanisms like modeling and priming, which is when one stimulus unconsciously influences another one and can inform behavior. And more and more research points towards hero stories as causing an emotional response called elevation. Quoting Inverse, In a 2003 essay for the American Psychological Association, Jonathan Haidt, a professor of ethical leadership at New York University Stern School of Business, writes that elevation is elicited by acts of virtue or moral 
beauty. It can cause warm, open feelings in the chest and motivates people to behave more virtuously, end quote. But to start circling back to cosplaying, not just seeing images of heroes or their logos or watching movies, but actually dressing up as and maybe acting as the superheroes. So there's also the Proteus effect, a term coined in 2007 by Nick Yee and Jeremy Balinson, which refers to, quoting from their original paper, an individual's behavior conforms to their digital self-representation independent of how others perceive them. End quote. In that study, they found that participants assigned taller avatars behaved more confidently in negotiations, and participants assigned more attractive, however you wanted to find that, avatars acted more intimate regarding self-disclosure and interpersonal distance. Now, you're not as hidden behind a screen when you cosplay versus role-playing via an avatar online, but the Proteus effect may still bear out a bit. And at least anecdotally, Inverse was able to speak with a few cosplayers who reported feeling more outgoing, more confident, and more comfortable in the limelight when they were cosplaying as superheroes. Reflecting the long-known awareness of human inclination towards stories of heroism, cosplayer Lucy Saxon summed it up for Inverse, quote, The whole point of superheroes is to empower people and give them an alter ego that can do all the things they don't think they're capable of. Cosplay is just another way of exploring that. End quote. At this point, it is going to be impossible to forget that a new Scream movie is coming out in January because they've been doing so much promo for it. The themed Airbnb, the original and new casts dropping all kinds of content and auctioning off ghost face masks in the case of Henry Winkler. And though I'm pretty sure this wasn't officially sanctioned, becoming one of the biggest Halloween trends on TikTok. And now, launching at the same time as Scream 5 early next year, an official licensed serial called Strawberries and Scream. In addition to crispy marshmallow clusters that are likely to dye your milk a bloody red, buyers of the Strawberries and Scream cereal might find tickets to private screenings of the movie in their cereal box, which is a prize that's even better nowadays in our social distancing era. I'd love to win a private screening of a movie. The cereal is, appropriately, being sold by United Kingdom-based company Serial Killer, whose Instagram says to follow them to find out when this killer collab will be dropping. Unfortunately, unless the supply chain tightens up in the UK before the cereal comes out in January, fingers crossed, all of us outside of the UK will have to go without this delicious treat, as Serial Killer notes that they are currently only delivering inside the country due to COVID and Brexit-related complications. And Serial Killer actually used to be a cafe, two cafes, in fact, in London. They called their 90s-themed outposts a serial lover's dream, with over a hundred different cereals available by the bowl and a full cereal-themed menu, like cornflake chicken and Lucky Charms waffles. Unfortunately, they closed at the start of the pandemic and have no plans to reopen a brick-and-mortar store, but they are thriving online by peddling cereals rarely found in the UK, like Golden Grahams and Oreo O's, as well as launching their own line of cereal, which is where the Scream cereal comes in. They also invented something called Milk Squash, which is a sugar-free flavored syrup you add to your milk to give your cereal a whole new kick. Honestly, this company seems awesome, and I can't wait until they open up orders internationally so I can support them.
Before I leave you, just a quick reminder to all of our U.S.-based listeners that Daylight Saving Time ends this weekend. The clocks are going backwards at 2 a.m. Sunday morning, effectively Saturday night, so you get an extra hour to sleep, but the infernal sunset will be happening even earlier for so, so many months. But with that said, that is it from me for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday.